0: 你们，你们相信祝福吗？现在我们来做个测验，请在脑中试着将摩天轮向右转，再向左转，向左，向右，向左，向右。这张火车行进图。
1: 也可以依照你的意志改变前后方向
0: 就不到上面
1: Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. This is Mike, and joining me as always it's Mr. Venom. What's up, Venom? How are you? Greetings and
0: salutations, curse bearers. I'm doing pretty well, Mike. How the hell are you doing?
1: Isn't life just one big curse anyway? Well, <laughs> I we mean, seen multiple curses on since March of it?
0: 2020.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right. Uh, also joining us it's Don and Ellie. What's up, Don? How are you?
2: Yeah, what's
0: going on? Always great to be here. Cool. <laughs> Don always uh, says week? it's great to be here. I wonder if the listeners think I don't want to be here, because I never say that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I would hope you want to be here, because <laughs> you've been here since the beginning of it.
0: So. Uh, uh, I, I'm going uh, to start my greetings with, instead of glad to be here, hey, how you doing, folks? I'm forced to be here. How I'm you s- doing?
1: still here. <laughs>
0: Mike has me on a short chain. He'd,
2: God he'd like, damn it! Another day, another week, another fresh cuts. What the fuck am I doing with my life? <laughs> really? What the hell? What are we doing
0: with ourselves?
2: <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right. So uh, this week we are doing a movie on it's uh, actually playing on Netflix right now or streaming on Netflix called Incantation. It's a Taiwanese movie. There some reviews have billed it as like the scariest Taiwanese movie. I. I don't know. Um,
2: The only thing, the only thing I can chime in real fast is that it's the highest grossing horror film in Taiwan, Taiwan's history.
1: Hmm, Okay. That's just, I mean, that gives it some validity then. Cause
2: I was trying to
1: think of like what other ones there are.
2: Yeah. um, It is legitimately the highest grossing film in Taiwan history. Or I, I should say native Taiwan film. I don't know what the foreign market is, you know, I mean, for, like what they would consider foreign, but uh, in terms of like domestic, domestically created Taiwan Taiwanese horror films, that like, it is the highest-grossing film in history.
1: Okay, cool. All right, and yeah, and this one I'll, I'll say it was like a half recommendation, half, half kind of was in the plans to cover because right, uh, if you notice, like our past couple episodes releasing, like one episode was released way later. So we kind of had two come out and kind of in between those episodes releasing, was it, uh, I can't remember if it was Tim Davis or someone else that like, had yeah, asked him, yeah. us if. Okay. Yeah. He had yeah. asked if we yeah. had planned on doing it because I think he watched it and had stuff to say. So he was interested in, I think by the time we posted that we were actually uh, discussing the possibility of covering it just because we knew we had a, a one week gap until we go back to the theaters, and this one looked interesting enough to want to cover, yeah, so it kind of all came into place.
2: Yeah, I think it was one of those cases where every time I try to want to like shift the focus back to Shudder, it's like they give us two or three crap in a row, so I didn't want to do that third one because they ended up releasing another one um, last week, um, Good Madam or something. Oh,
1: yeah. I think it was...
2: I think Good Madam was the last one released, and it was like, you know, okay, I kind of want to go back to Shudder because they do, like, they're doing new ones every week, but then they give us, like, two or three crap ones in a row, so it's like, I don't want to do the third one. So this was kind of like the, the, you know, the big, the main attraction that was otherwise uh, available at the moment.
1: Yeah, there is, uh, I I guess, on uh, some good Shudder news is. I think there's like at least like two or three movies that are coming to Shudder in August that I'm actually like looking forward to. Like when they hit, it won't be a surprise. Sort like we knew uh, the sadness was eventually coming once it got announced. So, um, and I know one of them in August is currently screening at Fantasia. So like there's actually a couple movies um, with buzz that are coming to Shudder next month. So hopefully that'll turn the fortunes around of, of uh, Shutter's. Uh, I guess we we can call them shutter releases, I guess technically, <laughs> but um yeah. yeah, so uh we'll more on future episodes later, but yeah, so incantation uh synopsis off i m d b six years ago, lil oh, I was about to say lil. <laughs> 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 Uh, Ronan was cursed after breaking a religious taboo. Now she must protect her daughter from the consequences of her actions. Pretty short and sweet for like a nearly two-hour movie, but that's okay because, you know, better A shorter synopsis than one that gives away too much. So with that, uh, I'll kick it over to Venom for general thoughts on incantation.
0: All right, folks. Anyone who knows me knows that I love found footage. I love Asian cinema. I love movies about curses or cults, and I love demonic possession movies. And not to say that this is a demonic possession movie, but there are elements of it in here. So on paper, I should absolutely love this movie, right? Well, folks, uh, sadly, I do not love this movie. I did enjoy it. I like it, but I have multiple issues with it. Where do we start? Um this is the least looking found footage movie of any found footage movie I've ever seen. Like they're using some of the highest quality cameras ever. So it really at times looks like a full production movie. Um, Yes, people, yes, there's characters in the movie that are actually holding the camera, but you know, without any kind of grain to the image, without any kind of, you know, video, you know, defects or you know dropouts, you know, just random shit like that. It it just takes that found footage away from it. Yes, we're looking through the POV of a character in the movie. So by default it makes it found footage. And then you've got the documentary style scenes where it's almost like interview scenes with the camera just pointing at one character while they speak. Mostly it's our main character, Ronan, of course. So it's just one of those things that this movie almost feels too polished. Now, that might that might not be a problem for some people. Some people might love that, that this is a found footage movie that looks like it had a $10 million budget. Not necessarily, but, you know, I'm exaggerating. Um, what else? Uh, Mike mentioned the runtime, two hours, I almost two hours. I'm sorry, folks. Uh, almost two-hour found footage movie is... A little unnecessary to me. Earlier this year, I said that a two hour slasher is unnecessary. And now I'm starting to understand that found footage is another one of those film styles that I just don't want to spend two hours plus um, in that world, you know, that that level of immersion, especially when I start to lose that immersion, because everything is so polished and it looks so pretty and all the effects look great and all the all the locales look awesome. You know what I mean? I I, I hope I'm getting my point across. It just doesn't look as cheap as a found footage like none of this footage that we're watching seems like it is found footage. There is a video in the movie, um the tunnel video let's call it that actually does have that found footage feel to it, but the rest of the movie it's barely found footage. So it's a minor gripe ultimately. It's not like it's going to bring down uh, the rating of the film, but you know, I I like my found footage. I'm a found footage purist. I don't mind shaky cam. I like shaking cam actually. I know that's not how human vision works. It's not like the world is bouncing around when we're running, but Something about it always works for me. Again, it adds that level of immersion, that level of mystery of what am I looking at? I can't quite tell what I'm looking at. I'm one of those people that actually likes that aspect of found footage. So another reason I'm not the biggest fan of this movie is that it feels like an American movie, um, an American horror movie, in the sense that we have characters making stupid decisions after getting multiple warnings. Uh, You know, this really comes off like any city folk going into the country type American horror film. And that's upsetting because this is Asian cinema. I I expect so much more, um, you know, from especially from something like this that was, you know, big budget, uh, a big release in Taiwan. As Don mentioned, the highest grossing movie, you know, domestically in Taiwan. I mean, there's a lot writing on this movie and ultimately between the runtime the pacing in some scenes like i'm not going to say that any whole scenes in this movie were throwaway scenes not at all for the most part i was fairly engaged throughout but a lot of the scenes will kind of just teeter off for a while and like Freeze on something for a few extra seconds than it really needs to be. Now, obviously, if you shave a lot of that stuff off, I mean, what are you really losing like a minute or two of runtime on the film. So I mean, I would like to see some stuff cut out of here 151 is just a little too long for a found footage movie now the positives my friends the acting in this movie is fucking stellar i love our main character ronan um (laughs) i'm not even going to attempt to pronounce the actress's name but i think she has such a spectacular performance here the entire gamut of emotions you know she's happy to get her daughter back she's terrified of something from her past um she's terrified of people taking her child away because she has mental health issues um obviously some form of ptsd we don't really find out what you know we, we we do find out from a psychiatrist early in the film or some kind of medical you know um doctor basically mentioning the event of the past and are you sure you're okay are you sure you're okay to raise your daughter blah 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 blah, blah. um the little girl um dodo uh i believe uh huang sin ting is the name of the actress another great performance she is awesome She's very standoffish at first, as any child would be meeting her mother for the first time or at least the first time in many, many years. Um, and then as the film progresses, the way that her moods change where she's, you know, she's not instantly a happy child, but she is happy to be out of the orphanage and in a real home. Um, obviously, she's still nervous about it. But, you know, what are you going to do? Um the score in this film is wonderful. An amazing score. I had a really great time with it. Very off putting. Like it 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 kind of weirded me out at times like some of the especially like the, some of the chanting um th- there's a piece of music early in the film where you know we we get a nice uh kind of ethereal music sting playing and then it slowly out of nowhere fades into chanting and it'll be the chanting that we'll hear throughout the entire film that i thought was stellar so again great score great performances you know uh some decent gore not really you know that bloody a film by any stretch of the imagination you know we get a we, we get some good head smashes and things like that but you know it's it, it this is definitely isn't a film for gore hounds by any stretch and then the ending man the ending left me very sour um to in the sense that i understood what was happening i understood you know i, I can't really get into it here but you know i understand the events of you know that final scene i understand what happens to Ronan in that final scene but it just it's left so ambiguous and 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 just and obviously it's a found footage movie and with found footage movies the last person when once the last person holding a camera is dispatched or dies or whatever then the movie's over that's usually how it works with found footage movies we all you know famously remember the devil inside ending so incredibly drastically after the car accident so Yeah, so the ending for this, um, it kind of left me a little sour. Um, I do think that this is a fairly scary movie. It's got some good tension throughout, some very tense scenes early on in the first and second acts. I love the events of the first night after Dodo comes home with her mother, with Ronan. Um, It's funny because I was talking about the paranormal activity syndrome where whenever we have a haunted house movie, usually on night number one, either nothing happens or something very minor happens and then it escalates as it goes. Nope. This movie was like, fuck it. We're not wasting time fucking night. Number one, some of the, most fucked up shit occurs to this you know poor little girl and mother in their tiny little apartment so overall i enjoyed the film i did i'm a little disappointed in both the runtime some of the pacing and the ending just left me a little sour because i love this story i absolutely love this story i love the story of the cult i love the story of the curse all of it um, but like I said, there's just little elements here and there that left me a little sour. I still would rate this film fairly high for its technical aspects and the fact that I was on board for it for like an hour and 40 minutes of its hour and 51 minute runtime. time. Um, but yeah, and, and I would recommend this movie. I, I enjoyed it enough that I think found footage fans should check it out. Asian cinema fans should check it out. Um, definitely not going to be in my top 10 by any stretch, but um, you know, a movie that I highly regard for its technical aspects and its performances on screen. Um, I, I just really wish they nailed that ending. That's it for me.
1: All right. Uh let's go on over to Don. What did you think of Incantation?
2: Yeah, um I'm kind of in agreement, although I, I side a little bit higher than Venom um does with this one. Um I, I, I do agree. The the pacing of this one is a little off. 151 for this kind of story is just absolutely unnecessary um not you know it, it's kind of difficult just because I think there's so many elements to play here that I, I almost don't even want this to be found footage. And I, I think that's kind of the mm-hmm. crux The crux of this one is that it doesn't necessarily need to be. And by being found footage, it, it kind of shoots itself a little in the foot because a lot of what goes on here is dictated by the mandate of the, sh- of the format. Like his insistence on stupid characters. Like the final half hour of this film is completely unnecessary because – who in their right mind in that amount of danger is going to be worrying about fiddling with a fucking camera? <laughs> and I, I mean, you know, like, that's just like, you know, the, the founding principles of the format just kind of dictate that this kind of a, a setup has no purpose being found footage. And it, it's kind of infuriating because a lot of, um, the, a lot of the film reminds me of a, a Thai film from last year called The Medium which i utterly loved it was one of my favorite films um i actually ranked it just behind the sadness as my favorite film of the year and i mean yes i i know sadness came out for a lot of folks last year this year but um i caught it last year so uh, for me medium was uh, number 2 for the year but a lot of this film reminds me of that and it's kind of a little it, it comes up short in a lot of areas but I, I do like a lot of what it does. I do like the central the central setup. I do like a lot of the imagery and, you know, the, the cult, you know, curse kind of aspect that goes on here. Some great set pieces. I, I love, you know, the as much as it you know, seems like a contradiction, I do like the final third of this. I do like a lot of the return to the village and find out what's mm-hmm. going on kind of a thing. The, you know, the, the central action itself is fantastic and it really has like a lot of great, uh, you know, occult imagery and yes, is bizarre mysticism that a lot of people aren't necessarily going to be familiar with because it focuses on this weird offshoot of Buddhism that or I think it is Buddhism, right? Because.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they talk about the mother Buddha.
2: Right. Okay. That. Okay. So, yeah, it, it is a, a slight offshoot of, um, you know, Buddhism that, you know, you don't necessarily get with a lot of Western cinema. So it kind of adds a you know this strange, just sort of esoteric, occult angle that you know really plays well, and it has a lot to like about it. But yeah, being found footage, it almost looks like he, like Venom said, it's way too polished to be found footage, and it doesn't necessarily need to be. And I think that's its its central problem is that. What, with all the different angles that's going on here because the, the central setup is so convoluted and there is so much, you know, there's so there's so many complex storylines going on that by focusing on it being found footage, essentially just kind of shoots itself in the foot. So it it kind of just falters because of that. But uh, in general, yeah, it's enjoyable. Uh, Not necessarily my favorite film of the year. Um, I actually kind of, Weirdly enough, I actually do kind of like another Tive um, horror film f- called The Funeral, which um, I don't know when that one's coming out for you folks yet. Um, I've already seen it. I really like it. I like that one more than this one, actually. So, Ooh. yeah, um, uh, real briefly on that one, it's about a woman who uh, returns to her family home for uh, the funeral of her grandfather. And uh, weird occurrences start happening Um that one there i i don't know when it's coming out um so uh just keep that one as a uh, you know keep you know one for your radar kind of a deal but yeah this one it, it kind of stumbles just a little bit just based on the uh, early promotions but um i i i still enjoyed it um i appear to be a little higher on it than venom because um i don't find those issues as crippling um they're still um on my end as well so um Yeah, not a top 10 of the year, not, you know, a must watch, but you could do worse. And uh, yeah, there's uh, a a few issues holding it down, but um, I I still really enjoyed it. So uh, I guess that's uh, all for me.
1: Okay, Uh, so as far as I go, I'm pretty much right aligned with Venom. I did like the movie. I didn't love it. There were parts towards like the beginning where I felt like I was set up to where I might end up loving it because I, I did like where it was going. Um I also kind of agree with Don that it it, does, it didn't really need to be a found footage movie. If if anything, I wish I would have just settled for like kind of like the hybrid that we've seen some movies do lately where it's not uh, based in being found footage, but you can easily like work found footage uh sequences in. Like the there's like some sequences where they're exploring certain places. Like you could easily just make those found footage because it would make sense. Like oh, we want to specifically document what we're doing, you know, on this part. But a lot like even though the movie's build as found footage, there's so many segments or just scenes where you know the camera gets mounted. Out of convenience, where it looks like it's just being shot, like there there was no reason to uh try to just say oh it's a found footage movie um I do think the running time's a little long for the story we have here it It does kind of feel like it meanders in spots uh with with the story once kind of like the main setup's happening um i i I also agree with venom that the the conclusion kind of left me like lukewarm. Like I I understood what they were saying with like how everything kind of wraps up and comes full circle. But the other part of me was like, did I really need almost two hours to get to this conclusion? Like it felt like if that's what the reveal or I guess was, we could have had this be like a 90 minute, maybe even like a hundred minute movie, but um, it, it just felt like a little long in the tooth for, for where we ended up. Um, On the positive side, though, I think there's plenty of creepy stuff going on. There's plenty of sequences that are done very well. Uh, The craft is definitely there uh, for a horror movie. And there are a couple – there's a couple moments that even got me, despite the fact that, like, you – you know, as horror movie watchers, it it, it felt like you could see certain times when you were being set up for, like, a a kind of jump scare or something. Even with that known, it still – Got me in a couple places. Um, just, just well done. Uh, I, I love some. Uh, one thing I love about um, movies that deal with curses versus just like straight up like you know religious doctrine is a lot of movies with curses they t- tend to just throw in like random creepy stuff for no rhyme or reason. Like as part of like the lore of a curse, and because a lot of these are like fictional. It's like there's really no rules, right? It's not like we're following like Catholicism where like everything kind of has to line up with like the imagery and what you would find in actual religious texts. Some some of these curse movies, it can, you know, they they can make up a completely fictional uh, uh religion or any type of practice and it kind of just reveals things as it goes along that the viewer would have no idea what was going on now they do kind of reference uh buddha in this a little bit but it didn't feel like it was like any type of like 100 alignment with buddhism or anything um
0: no they were uh, calling her buddha mother the whole movie so I, i don't think it was the buddha but some variation of it maybe
1: yeah um exactly so it, there might have been like you know some like loose ties to it uh, maybe for people that are more familiar maybe they would watch this and say oh yeah this that and the other thing but for me it was pretty like new as far as okay. like yeah, the. okay wait in. hold on
2: um okay so wait, i i, I can do something here um So I was looking this up, and it says, Kevin Coe explained that the Buddha mother, hand gestures, chant, symbols, and everything associated with the religion in the film are all fictitious. Much of the budget was spent on the design and production of the props, especially the large statue of the Buddha
1: mother. Mm -hmm. Well, that would make sense, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Did you read, Don, by the way, did you read that this movie was loosely based on a true story? I found something.
2: I'm just coming to that right now. Okay, Um, cool. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so, um oh, where is that? I just, okay, there it is. Okay. Um The movie is inspired by an incident in Gushan district, Kao Seong, in 2005. A family of six had claimed that they were possessed by various Chinese folk religion deities and accused each other of being possessed by demons masquerading as deities. They burned each other with incense, hit each other with sticks and spear tablets, and splashed feces and urine on each other in an attempt to expel the demons. In the end, they singled out the eldest daughter and attacked her until she died of her injuries. The five remaining members of her family were subsequently charged with the offense of abandoning a helpless person resulting in the person's death. The case was considered one of mass hysteria.
1: (laughs) Nice. Sounds like it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah okay
2: <laughs> um so i i do want to point out though that uh that information is read uh, directly from wikipedia so uh usual wikipedia rule, rules apply so yeah.
0: i actually saw a youtube video where uh somebody said that they um had saw, had either heard or read an interview with the director and that he was the one who said the movie is loosely based on a true event so thank you don for clearing that up that's awesome yeah
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, uh, that was uh, all read directly from Wikipedia, so usual Wikipedia rules apply. But yeah, yeah in accordance with uh, what you were saying, yeah, that uh, is uh, what it says about uh, that, uh, awesome. that uh, real-life story uh, background. Nice.
1: All right, Mike, yeah. go ahead. Uh, yeah, the only other thing, because a lot of what I had to say, actually, Venom, you hit on like almost – Like if I – I don't have a bullet point list in front of me, but if I did, you pretty much hit most of them. The only other thing I would add for general thoughts is uh, another kind of plot device they use in this is uh, multiple timelines. So if you combine that with the found footage – and everything else going on, it, it can be jarring at times because, like, it, it will say, like, with the subtitles, like, oh, however much time ago. So it, it does try to tip you off. But it felt like through the course of the movie, there's a couple times when, like, you're trying to figure out the timeline as far as, OK, are we back in the before or now? Or what. <laughs> I figured but, out
0: I figured out that every scene where Ronan was wearing a hat, a baseball cap, that was the past.
1: yeah yeah i I mean i mean ultimately it, it this is a creative and interesting way to make a movie about like i guess saying how far would a mother go to get her daughter back and it's a combination of like probably the love she has for the daughter mixed in with some guilt from past events so that kind of like drives the motivation of our main character but other than that yeah i would say good movie falls short of being like very good or great but it had definitely potential and there's a lot of good stuff in here um I just don't know by the end of it if people are going to think it was like worth where it ended up in its conclusion so that's it (laughs) I mean for for general (laughs) thoughts.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because as we sit here and talk about it, it's actually the the rating I have for it is actually going up a little bit because I'm just I'm remembering more and more about the film and the whole thing with the narration with uh, Ronan basically narrating the entire movie. And it just dawned on me. I mean, it dawned on me last night when the movie ended, but I just remembered the whole reason why she's talking directly into the camera. I'm starting to realize why this actually was a found footage movie, and it has to do with the curse. Think of um, think of Blumhouse's Truth or Dare. That's all I'll say about that. <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about before we get into our uh, not very long walkthrough?
2: No, I mean, uh, Mike Mike was right. I mean, a lot of this doesn't necessarily need to be found footage. I mean, you could have shown, like, just a couple of scenes as found footage. But, yeah, a lot of the stuff, I mean, him, him saying that, you know, they're just standing the cameras on, like, a shelf just to record themselves, like some of the, you know, the instances with uh, Dodo in the, in the house when she's there. Like, a lot of that doesn't necessarily need to be found footage. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you know... Just like piggybacking off what he said, you know, him and I saying the same thing but different ways, I guess. Just, yeah, I, I, I think my biggest thing with it is that it, it just doesn't necessarily need to be found footage, but yeah, for some reason it is. I mean, I, I understand why because, ugh, truth or dare, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: But it, it's a bad analogy because it's a terrible movie, and this movie yeah, is that's not kind of,
1: terrible.
2: yeah,
0: that's kind of yeah. But the, that's the only the thing, reason yeah. I bring that up is because. I think I understand why this movie is found footage now. Like I I fully understand now why it's found footage. And it's actually kind of a sly little thing if you're not paying attention to the last bit of narration in the film. But we'll get into that in the spoiler section. But uh, yeah, Mike, anything else you want to say before we jump in? Uh,
1: I think I'm okay. Uh, Let me think. I I I would say I did think the opening of the movie was kind of a cool way to get viewers like invested in the whole curse aspect of it. Like yep. that that is kind of an interesting way to use it. It kind of uh, made me think of. Um, Shoot, I, I had I, right before we were recording, I was like, oh, it reminded me of like a specific found footage movie, the way it's, it started. But now I can't think of it. But it, I, I want to say there are some techniques in here that I did recognize from like past movies. And I, I do kind of like when, you know, anything from a specific genre kind of shows that, you know, whoever's making it, director or writer, or a combination of both do you have knowledge of that subgenre like the past entries and kind of like take techniques and mold them in but it, not they don't rely on those as a crutch for the movie but they do bring elements of that so i i will give it credit for doing that as well
0: definitely definitely yeah and i'm i'm usually not a big fan of narration but i understand that the narration in this movie had a purpose which we'll get into in the spoiler section but yeah I'm starting the, the more I literally over the last couple of minutes, my my rating for the movie has gone up because, I, like I said, it just dawned on me why this movie's found footage and why it needed to be found footage. But we'll get into that here in a little bit. So that's your finer. Uh, bleh, I can't speak English today. That is your final spoiler warning, folks. We are about to go into our walkthrough of Incantation. Um, It's going to be a quickie. I'm I'm not going to go over every single set piece because there's a lot of really cool, tense set set pieces in here. On top of the fact that it's an almost two-hour movie that, unfortunately, I only had the time to watch once this weekend. So so bear with me with my walkthrough. All right, so our movie opens up, and we see a young woman in front of a video camera. Uh, She introduces herself as Ronan. And she's basically... um, Imploring the viewers of the video to memorize an insignia and a chant um, that's an incantation throughout the film. And multiple times throughout the film, she'll actually ask the audience, the people watching the movie, she'll actually ask them, okay, let's go ahead and do the chant again right now. And if you don't want to do it out loud, you can just do it in your head. That's fine. Um, You know, seems kind of silly at first when the movie starts, but like I said, once we get to the end, it all makes sense. Um, So, like I said, um, she is looking to lift the curse that she acquired six years ago. She has a six-year-old daughter named Dodo, and uh, basically there was an event that happened six years earlier, just before Dodo's death, that makes Ronan believe that she and Dodo are cursed. So, um, throughout the intro, she's talking about the insignia and the incantation and how they're interspersed frequently throughout the, you know, I I already mentioned how, you know, throughout the film, we, she will actually ask people to say the chant, um, so we go on from there Um, and this is is the part that I was talking about in the non-spoiler section with the song the song, this opening song that's playing while she's narrating is so fucking haunting and then when she mentions the chanting, the song starts, like the chanting starts swelling up in the score and it's just incredibly creepy, it really really sets a great tone for the film, I mean because we're not in any place creepy, we're literally just in a woman's apartment and she's looking into her video camera uh, but somehow the music just makes you know that something incredibly ominous is about to happen so kudos there um so like i said six years earlier ronin and her boyfriend dom and dom's cousin Yuen, um they ended up breaking a religious taboo while uh, documenting a ritual for their internet channel they have a youtube channel they are ghost hunters and uh, god it The name of their stupid YouTube channel is Ghostbusters. Yes. So original folks, isn't it? It's amazing. Maybe they didn't get Ghostbusters in Taiwan yet. I don't know, but yeah, there it is. Ghostbusters. Every single time they said it in the movie, I laughed my ass off. I I just, I, I don't, I don't know if they were unaware of the irony or maybe they just are big fans of the movie of the franchise. So they called their ghost hunting adventure Ghostbusters, but whatever. Um, uh, so, like I said, uh they, they went to a remote village um in part of the Chen clan. Uh Dom and UN's uh Don and UN are actually family members of this village. Uh they basically uh they have to go back every 20 years to perform a ritual, a mandatory ritual that all family members must partake in. Um so You know, we'll put that aside for now. Uh, Let's talk about Ronan getting uh, her daughter back. Basically, after some psychological evaluations, uh, Ronan is deemed uh, credible enough to be a parent and to have her daughter back. Uh, Basically, the story was that a few years ago, I don't think they ever tell us in the movie how long it's been, if it was right after Dodo's birth or years later, but basically we find out that she dropped off Dodo at an orphanage. They call it a foster home in the, uh, in the movie, but it is an orphanage. And, um, and she just disappears. Uh, She, she never comes back to pick up her daughter. Um, But of course, you know, she had some kind of traumatic event from her past that happened six years ago during this ritual, which we'll obviously go over here in a little bit. Now, um, at the start of the uh, ritual, uh, the elder of the clan asks uh, all the members of all the new members, the two guys and Ronan, to write down their names on a piece of parchment paper that they then take the name and they burn it in a pot. And what they're basically doing is they're symbolically giving their name to the Mother Buddha. And who is the Mother Buddha? Um, according to, uh, an elder, uh, a monk that they actually speak to in the film, uh, the Buddha mother is a malevolent entity. And if you submit your name with the incantation, it means you agree to carry the curse. Um, I'm not going to get too much more into that because that might be a little bit of a spoiler for, uh, some other events in the film. So, like I said, um, we see, we... Mike was talking about how we go back and forth in time. That's why I'm going to be like a little disjointed with the walkthrough because we're back and forth. We're in present day and then we're back to six years earlier in the village, um, in the Chen, Chan, uh, the Chen clan village, excuse me. Um, so let's see. So after Ronan gets her daughter back, they go home and it's their first night at home. And, you know, the little girl Dodo is uh, – a little standoffish, you know, it's her first day in a new place, but she definitely does seem receptive. She smiles periodically. She definitely is happy that her mother is back in her life, but obviously, this is a mother that she hasn't been familiar with for years. So, um you know, it, it, it's a weird kind of touchy situation, you know. There's, there's definitely a balancing act there. You don't want to be too pushy with the little kid, but at the same time, you don't want to give them too much space and, you know, it, to the point where they don't think they're being parented. So I I know that's a touchy subject right there, but yeah. Um, And during that first night, the shit hits the fan, my friends, this movie does not have paranormal activity syndrome where it literally takes multiple days before anything happens. And it's a big built up to this giant climax. No, my friends, very first night, we're already getting pounding on the walls, voices, voices, um, In the halls, um, a disappearing Dodo, literally Do, um, at one point, the mother thinks she hears something in the house. Uh, Ronan goes looking around the house. And then when she comes back to Dodo's room, Dodo is gone. Um, and earlier in the scene, too, Dodo complained about the baddie, uh, basically some invisible malevolent force that was kind of scaring her in the room. Uh, Ro- Ronan, you know. Placated her and kind of escorted the baddie out of the house. Obviously, at this point, I think we all know the baddie is Mother Buddha or, you know, some demonic um, affiliation of Mother Buddha, if you will. And what we see is we see. um, We see Dodo holding hands with some invisible, you know, creature or person, and she's being led out of the house and. Um, She's basically outside, just kind of out in front of her house, not really sure what she's doing. Uh, Ronan finally figures out that Dodo is missing, goes frantically looking for her, and then does find her outside. She ends up bringing her back into the house, but as soon as they get back into the house... Little Dodo literally floats up in the air. Her eyes go white. You know, they glaze over white. And she just starts screaming this just demonic guttural scream. And the scene just ends like that. Literally, that's the end of the scene. It's pretty crazy. Of course, at this point, we're back to six years earlier. Back to the, you know, events that occurred at the village as um As we were saying, or should I say, I forgot to mention that when they first got to the village, um, Ronan was not welcomed because she was not a family member. Uh, She was actually dating Dom. I I think it was Dom. It was either Dom or Un, one of them. Um, She was actually dating one of them, and she was actually pregnant. Like, she had just found out that she was pregnant, so she wasn't showing yet or anything. And um, like I said, the elders didn't want her there. They kind of tried to push her out of the village. Um, But eventually, an elder lady, uh, an older woman came and asked to look at her hand, to look at her palm specifically. And she actually read her palm like she looked at it, you know, dragged her thumb across it a couple of times and then said, "Okay, you can stay and literally just let her stay. Don't know if there's an ulterior motive to that. There could be. There might not be. Who knows? Um, But obviously, These three kids who are the ghost hunters or the ghost busters, I should say, are there. The reason that they came back to the village wasn't to participate in that 20 year, that every 20 year um, incantation that they're going through. They wanted to go back because they remembered that in their village, there is a tunnel that no one must ever enter. And they literally call it that the tunnel that where no one must go in, something like that. It had a really silly name. And they're trying so hard to, you know, get away from the crowd so that they can go and check it out. But obviously, you know, anytime they mention it to any of the elders or even this one creepy little girl who's missing an ear in the in the village for some reason. Even she is like, oh, no, no, we don't go there. We don't go to that tunnel. So, I mean, everybody in the village is very aware that we don't go to that tunnel, yet here's these three city slickers coming in and saying, well, we got to get footage for our YouTube channel. This is what I'm talking about, folks, how this movie feels American and how these three kids just make the stupid decisions that all Americans do. Because especially coming from a Taiwanese background, you would think that the supernatural is something that they would respect more than your average American teenager, but now these three don't have any respect for the the legend of the mother Buddha or the village, the elders, everything else, and what ends up happening is of course, they get into the tunnel they end up um they end up getting into a little bit of trouble because um Ronan was kind of eavesdropping on rituals that she wasn't supposed to lay eyes on, that were for family members only. And um, basically, our three kids run away and they end up finding the tunnel. They end up finding the entrance to the tunnel. It's very plainly, you know, labeled. They end up going into the tunnel. Of course. And well, before they even go into the tunnel, they break down the door that's or the, 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 the gate in front of the tunnel that's you know blocking people from going in. And literally as soon as they break the door down, you start hearing screaming coming from the tunnel. You start hearing faint female screams coming from the tunnel. And what do they do? They go right in because that's exactly what an American would do. I hear screaming voices in that tunnel. Let's go in. And that's what they do. Um, Ronan ends up staying outside of the tunnel. She doesn't really, you know, she's a little bit too terrified. Uh, The two guys go into the tunnel. And we don't actually see what happens in the tunnel at this point. But what we do see is that um, U.N. comes running out of the tunnel. And he's just screaming, don't ask. Don't ask. I'm not sure who he's talking to or what question he's answering, but that that was basically all he says the rest of the movie. Don't ask. Don't ask. Which is very off-putting, kind of creepy, but at the same time, kind of silly when there's no context to it. And then we see a scene where uh, we see the village elders pulling Dom's dead body out from the tunnel. And as I mentioned earlier, guys, Dom was, of course, Ronan's boyfriend. She is pregnant with his child. So obviously a very traumatic event. Um, but we don't end up seeing what happens in the tunnel because the police, after they uh recover the camera, say that the footage is completely damaged it's It's not playable it's completely not playable
1: um,
0: so yeah, uh yeah, where are we here at this point? uh We might be going back to the present day at this point where now i,
1: I think I think there's a curse involved if you haven't touched upon that. <laughs>
0: Like I said, um, I think at this point in the film, um, oh, right. I, I actually forgot to mention the orphanage, uh, guy. Um, there, there's a gentleman in the movie. I think his name is Ming. He, um, he basically runs an orphanage. He runs the orphanage where Dodo was staying at for the past few years. And, and he, and this guy is actually a good guy. Like you can tell that he actually cares about the kids. He cares about finding them forever homes, you know, permanent parents, And he was ecstatic when Ronan came back into the picture and came back to claim her. Um, He actually made the comment that he loved. He actually says in so many words that he loved Dodo and that she called him dad. And and he said, you know, that made Dodo very special to me. So, you know, I want to continue monitoring her progress and I want to make sure that Ronan has everything she needs and blah, blah, blah. So he, he turns into like a, a helpful force throughout the film. Um, but at this point in the film, uh, after we get the uh, the first little bit of what happened six years ago, um, our, our friend Ming, uh, the orphanage guy, uh, basically discovers that there is a monk who can read the ancient runes that are written um, throughout different parts of like um, like carvings throughout the village that they took pictures of um, different Prayers that are written on parchment paper and even some some like publications, like some books, maybe Um, it's it's a form. It's an ancient form of language that very few people speak today. But he is able to find a monk that gives him basically the answers that he's looking for. And this is where we start to realize. I mean, I think we've already started to realize there's something wrong with this village, obviously. Um, But what we find out is that the incantation what the monk tells us excuse me is that the incantation that all these people have been you know spouting out throughout the movie is not a blessing everyone assumed it was a blessing it is not a blessing what the actual translation of the incantation is is i share my curse with you because if you watch the people the cult members or the village members in the movie uh, they have their hands in a certain position. Usually Buddhists, when they have their hands up in a position in front of them, the palms will be facing each other, signifying inner strength and you know peace and all of that stuff. But when you see the cult members, they have their hands turned backwards so that their palms are actually facing away from each other. And what that signifies is spread. Yes my friends they are not blessing people when they say their incantation that they are fucking cursing you what they are basically doing um what the what the story of the mother buddha is is that if you chant uh if you do the chant and you get as many people as possible to you know to say the chant uh basically the curse spreads and it spreads amongst the people who hear the chant and people who are, you know, kind of associate, maybe not family members of the village, but people that are associated with them, kind of like Ronan. Um, so, yeah, my friends, they are not blessing you when they say that chant. They are actually spreading their curse. And don't forget, Ronan has been asking you multiple times in this film to say the chant with her. We'll, re- we'll revisit that here in a little bit. So after we get this realization that this cult is not about peace and love and that they are not about blessing people, that they're about sharing the curse of the Mother Buddha, um, at this point, Ronan gets a a video message from the orphanage guy, um, from me. Um, somehow he was able to clean up the video. Somehow he was able to get a digital copy of the footage. And he had a friend, I guess, you know, clean it up for him and send him the footage back. And basically what happened was um, he sends, uh, uh, Ming sends Ronan this video message basically saying, I have the tunnel footage. Um, I don't really want to show it to you. I think no one should ever watch this. And basically doesn't give her the footage, tells her, no, I'm not giving it to you. And then what we see, literally, we start to see Ming break down. Like, literally, he starts pulling teeth out of his mouth. It's a very slow progression, but we see, you know, we see, like, he's pulling hair out of his head, and there's very something very obviously wrong. And like I said, he basically... Uh, tells Ronan, I will not give you this uh, video, and then he starts speaking very cryptically. He starts just speaking in random gibberish, and then suddenly out of nowhere, he just starts slamming his head into his keyboard while still on camera, while Ronan is still watching this video. He slams his head into the keyboard over and over and over again until finally he keels over dead, so how did the video get to Ronan? I don't know. I don't ask those questions because <laughs> that, that's the kind of stuff that's going to make me dislike movies. But, yes, somehow Ronan got the uh, video message. She's upset. Uh, this was a pretty gnarly scene, too, by the way. I thought the suicide was really cool. It's very visceral. It's, you can't avoid it. It's right in front of the camera. You know, So it's not like you can I mean, you could look away, sure, but um, it's not like they are uh, – They're definitely not editing uh, this scene too much to try, you know, for the benefit of uh, people's constitution. (laughs) It definitely is a very hard scene to watch because he just slams his own head into the keyboard over and over again until he's just a bloody mess. Um, But somehow, believe it or not, as soon as he dies, as soon as Ming dies, she gets a text on her phone and it's the fucking tunnel video yes my friends some malevolent force somewhere actually sends her the tunnel video anyway and of course she plays it for everyone and she's narrating and what we see is dom and un go into the tunnel and what they see the first thing that they see is a barrier that's in the shape of the insignia that we've been seeing throughout the film it's very obviously a barrier it's very obviously meant to keep people out or something in and these absolute road scholars decide to just break the barrier mind you they're still female screaming faintly heard throughout the tunnel and they still decide to advance um you know whatever you're braver than i am my friends and basically what happens is uh they end up in some labyrinth where it's almost like a maze of tunnels and eventually they get to a statue and yes my friends it is the statue of the mother buddha they walk up to it um the, the statue has a ma- not a mask but like a cloth with an incantation written on the cloth covering the statue's face so we never actually get to see what mother buddha looks like but you know it's it's one of those crazy you know statues with like the multiple arms and the arms are kind of disconnected they're kind of floating uh, next to the torso rather than actually being attached to it. It's actually a really cool design. I I do like the design of the mother Buddha statue. And basically what we see is, um, you know, we see like a UN get attacked by something. We don't know, you know, potentially it could have been Dom possessed or it could have been some other force in the tunnel. He gets attacked. We see that he's spitting up teeth and the, you know, blood is coming out of his mouth And that's when he runs out of the tunnel, you know, basically screaming, don't ask, don't ask, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then we finally get to see what happened to Dom. And what happened to Dom is he did not run away right away when Yuan got attacked. He ended up walking closer to the Mother Buddha statue eventually he just freezes in place and stares at the face of the mother buddha statue and then calmly and you know very purposely just walks right up to the side to the wall of the tunnel and does the same thing that ming did just starts slamming his own head into it until he falls over dead so basically i think at this point we kind of realize that yeah the mother buddha is basically possessing these people forcing them to kill themselves um who knows? It, you know, maybe she's. Uh... Actually, I'm not even going to try to speculate. You guys figure out what the mother Buddha is trying to do herself, because I don't know what the hell she's doing. Um. So, like I said, you see that shot. And after the video ends, Ronan realizes that Dodo is missing. Dodo's gone. We don't know where the hell she is. and She's not in the house. She's not where she's supposed to be. Um. Uh, so what does uh, Ronan do? Once again, the intelligent characters of this movie. She goes right back to the Chen clan village. Yes. Um, but what we see now is that six years later, the village is abandoned. All the houses are decrepit. It doesn't look as nice and colorful as it did six years earlier. So it, I, I think we can make the assumption that the villagers probably left um, because the three idiot kids released the mother Buddha. They probably just booked that out of there and just decided, nope, we're not living next to her home if she's gonna have free reign to come in and out of that tunnel anytime she wants. So, um, but we see Ronan approach the tunnel, we see her go into the tunnel, and we uh, finally she gets to the Mother Buddha statue just like the two guys did. Um, we see her, we hear the same voices, like the incantation being spoken by a mysterious voice. Um, but it's not affecting her the way it affected Dom. She um, probably because she has so much more conviction because she's actually looking for her daughter. Um, you know, she, she's not affected by the uh, the voice right away. What she ends up doing is walking up, like going right up to the mother Buddha statue and pulling the cloth off of the front uh, off the face, the headpiece of the mother Buddha statue. But what do we see behind the cloth? My friends, not a face, uh, we see a tunnel, a fleshy tunnel, and uh, they meant – because earlier in the movie, they mentioned uh, when you give your name to the Mother Buddha, that that's where the name is going. It's going into that tunnel that is her face. I mean, literally, her face is basically a, a fleshy, like, wormhole. fleshy chanting tunnel. <laughs> yeah, a fleshy chanting tunnel. Let's go with that. And then as soon as Ronan takes the cloth off and sees what's behind the cloth, then she succumbs to the curse, and we see her bend down on the ground, start slamming her head into the concrete, and that's it. Film is over. Um, Oh, man, I, I... I do like the movie. I I think I like the movie more now than when the show started, because I I, I do like a lot of what's going on here. I'm sorry, folks. There is one more scene left after Ronan kills herself. It is a posthumous scene where she's still narrating, even (laughs) narrating from beyond the grave, apparently. And she's narrating how Dodo is probably safe now. Um, uh, Basically we see that, um, Uh, Basically, the film ends with footage of Dodo, and we see that she's healthy, she's happy, she's playing. She's back at the orphanage, but at least she's happy and she's playing. And what we hear the narration uh, of Ronan is she's basically implying that the burden of her curse has been shared with everyone who watched the film. Yes, my friends. Phil, there is a reason the film is found footage. She needed to share this curse with as many people as possible. Hence why I brought up Blumhouse's Truth or Dare, because that was kind of the same thing there. That's how they beat the Truth or Dare game. They put it on the internet and spread it so far away from themselves that they're not concerned about you know their own safety anymore. So yeah, basically Ronan is creating this video under the guise of creating a like video diary for Dodo's return to her house. But what it actually turns out is she's just trying to spread the curse to all of us who've just watched the movie. And now we are all cursed as, as you know, basically a result. I kind of like that. (laughs) I I thought that's kind of a cool little L.
1: Yeah. It kind of, now I remember what movie I I was going to say a reference out actually wasn't found on footage. It kind of reminded me of, the the plot towards the end of the of the ring or at least the american remake when uh what is it what's her name naomi watts um she figures out oh i gotta get everybody as many people as possible to see this because then it keeps the curse off of us so she dubs it on a tape and like Puts it in a random video store, so that way, so many people will watch it that uh, the curse is busy and occupied. Oh. So it, it kind of <laughs> made me think of that.
0: No, that's valid. Absolutely, definitely, just as clever. You know, you, you can't you can't beat the curse, so spread it around. Why the hell not? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. I thought pop- I thought
1: that was an interesting thing about how. the power of the curse is diluted the more people see it. So like everyone might get like a little scare, but if enough people are a part of it, um, then it, it weakens it severely. I I was kind of confused. Well, I, I understood obviously because the subtitles spelled it out plainly that they, they accidentally did a curse instead of a blessing. The only thing that I wasn't sure the takeaway from that was like, were they just idiots and cited the wrong thing or was there something that like tricked them into doing a curse instead of a blessing? I wasn't a hundred percent sure on that. If they just screwed up and like cited the wrong thing.
2: I I think it's because they went into the tunnel uh, against the, the, the code of the village. I I think the the whole thing is that it's supposed to be a blessing. If you obey the instructions, but because you went against the instructions, it turned into a curse. I, I think that's the way it works. I, I could go
1: with that. Yeah, I like yeah, that. I mean, that you, makes enough I mean, sense. You
2: figure, I mean, you figure the villagers have been there for as long as they have, following the instructions, and they don't. They seem fine with it. It's just once you know Dom and Yoon decide to enter the enter it, and it, everything goes to shit after that. I think it's because they turned it into a curse by ignoring the instructions. If mm-hmm. you follow the instructions, I think you're fine because they've lived there with it as long as they have. And, you know, I mean, they put it in there to begin with and they set the incantations out to prevent it from spreading. But then once they went ahead and they went against the wishes of the incantation, then it turned into a curse. Mm
0: -hmm. I also like I oh, go ahead.
2: I was going to say, I think that's the way it works. I mean, again, the subtitles could be off, but I think that was the way I read it.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know. It's up to interpretation. I, I don't think anybody's going to be completely off. I did forget to mention one, one thing that I did like about the final scene, aside from the whole spreading of the curse thing. Uh, there's actually a line in that final video that she makes where she's actually talking to Dodo and she actually tells Dodo, forget your name. Don't remember your name. Don't remember my name. And the reason that she says that is because at one point in the movie, someone does mention that Dodo's name was given to the mother Buddha in in the ritual, even though Dodo was never there. Somehow Dodo's name got into the, you know, the big pot of names. So the fact that she's telling her daughter Forget your name, change your name. I I think that's just, you know, great advice, like without having to actually tell her every single thing that happened. I mean, depending on how much of that video Dodo ends up watching as an adult, um, I, I, I like that a lot. It's a nice warning, but without letting her know that she's in danger. Just just forget your name, forget your name and forget me. I like that.
1: Yeah, I like it, too. Uh, I mean, it, it seems like at this point she she's acknowledging that, like, even though she loved her and wanted her back and wanted to be her mom, like, the best, <laughs> the best course uh, from here on out is get her away from this as possible. And I really have no choice but to end this.
0: Yep. No, no, but they, yeah, like I said, I'm liking it more and more the more I think about it. There's little subtle touches that I wasn't thinking about after I finished watching it that are coming to coming to the surface now that I really got to give it credit for. Um, so yeah, uh, uh, l-
1: let's say my review went up a little bit <laughs> since the general thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it's also a case of, you know, every year we get like a handful of these kind of like curse movies where, sure. you know, for some reason there's a curse on the main character where they're trying to figure out what kind of curses when put on, them, why, how to dispel it. And, you know, then whatever conclusion happens. So it's like, you build up a, such a big roster of them that they start getting compared to each other. And like, we've had some really good ones in the past couple of years. So it's, there's like a lot that the bar is set high. I'll, I'll just put that, put it like that yep Definitely. okay well if that's pretty much it for incantation then yes. um, let's, well, I, I guess really quick obviously our next episode should be nope I mean I don't see why it wouldn't be it does release this coming up Friday and, and I
2: mean, it's, it's, it's the one that we kind of scheduled the month around, so... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's what we scheduled the month around for, so I'm pretty sure uh, bearing Internet Issues or uh, World War III, I think that's the next one.
1: <laughs> yeah. so. Yep. pretty much. Um, so, yeah, but before we get out of here, let's figure out where everyone can be heard. So, Venom, what do you have that's new coming out?
0: All right, um... Easy. We just finished recording Creature Comforts, episode 11. Um, I'm still in the process of editing that. That will definitely be out before the end of this week. I would imagine as you hear this episode, it'll only be a day or two away from being released. We looked at our first brand new movie. We went ahead and reviewed Phil Tippett's Mad God, the recent release on Shudder. And, you know, the film obviously is being advertised as 30 years in the making. And was it worth the wait? Well, you'll have to listen to the episode to find out. But like I said, that should be out in mere days. Um, Unfortunately, the main show, No More Room in Hell, was postponed due to, you know, circumstances. Let's just say that. And um, but we'll still be recording. Hopefully, if all goes as planned, we'll still be recording episode 47 this weekend, which will be Mike's Picks. Um, which are, what, The House on Haunted Hill, 1959, and The Haunting, 1963. Mm-hmm. All originals, all the time. No remakes. I love it.
1: <laughs> uh, at least not yet. I mean, I'm sure eventually we'll touch on remakes, but...
0: Uh, I'm going to be sick that day. <laughs>
1: <Whatever> <laughs> feel day. like it, at, at this point, there's no reason for it until we're like so many episodes in that we exactly. are <laughs> reaching for them for some reason. Why, you know, why, why even yeah. do it? So
0: yeah, and that's it for me, man. No guest thoughts. It's been pretty slow lately. My wife's uh, birthday was uh, over the last week, so I tend to go overboard and spend way too much time and money on her. But you know, that's just the kind of guy I am. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> cool. All right, Don, what uh, what do you got?
2: Uh, yeah. Um, as mentioned, Creature Comforts episode eleven. Uh, look for that one uh, soon-ish. Uh latest episode of uh the horror countdown I had a uh podcasting friend of mine uh Raul Rivera join me to look at post 2000 slasher films. So uh be on the lookout for stuff like uh Behind the Mask, um Hatchet. Uh let's see Final Girls I think came up, um Happy Death Day, you know, things of that nature. So, uh, yeah, that was a, uh, pretty fun time. That was another, um, I think hour 45-ish episode. Um, the one before was, uh, the, the killer cult one was also like a near two hours. So this was another, uh, fun time. We had a lot to, uh, talk back and forth with, um, our films. So, uh, that's the latest episode. Um, pretty sure there's something else coming up, but I think we have to coordinate dates, um, i i think everything is just in the uh, planning stages so i can't say much but um hopefully that comes uh to pass sooner or later um i'm just kind of in the middle of everything because uh fantasia festival is uh it started on friday i think friday or saturday i can't remember so i'm kind of in the rush with all that and uh the, the guest spot is also kind of uh, up in the air with uh, his with everything going on there, so I can't say much more other than that, but uh, hopefully sooner or later that'll come to pass. But um, as of now, uh, creature comforts and the uh, latest episode of Horror Countdown.
1: Cool. Um, yeah, as far as I go, Venom already mentioned, No More Hell got postponed. Hopefully that I was only getting pushed the one week to this coming up weekend, and we'll get that out. And the only other thing for me is the premiere episode of Watch This Movie, Mike, is a new sidecast I'm doing, where it's just me and a different guest every episode. Um, first episode is out with Doug Tilly, where the movie he chose to bring was The Life and Death of Colonel Blimp. If you haven't heard of it, I'm not surprised, because I hadn't heard of it. It's a movie from the 1940s, a, a British war drama romance movie. Doug um, <laughs> Shelley so. totally
0: would bring that movie to the table. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the, the thing I like about Doug is, like, you you can give him any theme in the world and you'll, and he can manage to bring something that's usually a really good movie, but at the same time, like you've either never heard of it or you just never seen it. Um, yep. So, but, but I like it because he doesn't pick obscure just for the sake of obscure. It's like, Oh, people haven't seen this, but they should. It's like those type of movies. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was the first episode of that. I do have episode two scheduled and I've kind of sent out some feelers for the third episode. So if everything goes great, I should have like a handful of those coming. I'm I'm, I'm not trying to go too crazy with it too soon because I don't want to set up like this expectation like, oh, there's a new one every week. And then I have to like go like a month without doing it. So um, and it is like on my priority list of shows, it is like currently like the lowest just because it's like I said definite sidecast not like any main main show but yeah if that sounds interesting to anybody it is on the dark discussions network with everything else it is also up on the youtube channel no more room in hell so you can search it that way as well and like we already mentioned uh Jordan Peele's nope is up next So that should be fun to discuss regardless. I mean, it's a Jordan Peele movie, so there's very likely going to be a lot to talk about regardless of how much we like or don't like the movie. So I'm pretty excited um, for that. But with that said, I think that's going to do it. So listeners, thanks again for tuning in. And we will catch you in one week's time. Let's say bye to the listeners.
0: Later. How's the curse I cursed you with, (laughs) (laughs) Kirsty.
1: Listeners, it's a curse, not a blessing. Be careful. (laughs)